they are not going anywhere. They will continue to pump money in until the point where you are sat at home. It's the 10th event you've watched. You're like, well, everyone says it's brilliant. I mean, I haven't seen anything with like repressed women or, you know, gays getting thrown off rooftops or whatever. Like, but ultimately, all esports tournaments are going to be run by cunts. That is just a reality now. If you're in esports three years from now, you are in the mud. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another wonderful, fabulous day. It is a side select day. It's me, your boy, Fulstrob, joined by, of course, Rich and Dorian. We'll be talking about some varied topics today, actually, on the show. we got some Counter-Strike, of course, CS2, as uh, all the rage, and we're going to be uh, breaking some of that down. We've got some League of Legends stuff, and, of course, visiting our good friends and most beloved organization, Team Solo Mid as well uh, as is traditional of course before we get into the boring topics of esports you've got to talk about the best parts which is that uh, which is food now i actually considered genuinely okay because we we've done a few episodes now and i'm kind of running out of things to ask you of course the, the culinary world is is vast and almost infinite so i'm sure i can find some things but i really want to bring it down back to the basics okay i want to ask you about fruit okay now, as gamers, I'm sure we don't get enough fruit and all those vitamins and whatnot, and that's fine and and whatever. But you must have a favorite fruit or a fruit that you think doesn't get the rep that it should get in a positive way. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll go first, right? Whenever I do my grocery shopping or my Audi shopping, I always pick up some Easy Peel Satsumas and some white grapes. Okay, those are my two go-to fruits. I'm not really a fan of bananas apples these kind of things i think they're a little bit overrated but grapes and satsumas are s tier depending on the season Who you get them in. bananas or bananas what you mean, as an but, ingredient but just when's it been overrated you know what i mean that's I, I, it's funny i, sh I shouldn't even let it bother me keep going keep going well, the fact, yeah okay it's fine <laughs> It's not like it's, it's top of the pops. Bananas are in again, week 700. <laughs> like, you know, like, Honestly, I guess monkeys though, think they're mega, but I don't know. But, you know, fucking. They're just, they're just, I don't know. There's something about them, man. They're just okay. too... What's your sleeper fruit then that you're, yeah. you're vibing with? I, I honestly, I think it's got, it's got to be it. Like, it's got to be the Satsuma. I think so. Honestly. Okay. The thing is, there's like six different variations of the same yeah, fruit. Yeah. There's like tangerine, man, mandarine, Clementine. sangerine. Clement, Clementinerine. There's so many of them. And they're all they all the do taste pretty thing. different as well. I will say, if people think they're all just oranges, like, it tastes way different, of course, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that's my response all right. to my own question. I want to know about you guys. What's your go-to fruit or maybe underrated fruit? And uh, yeah, hit me up, so Rich. Go on, See, tell me. I, I kind of know what you mean when you say bananas are overrated. Not By the way, I love bananas, so I don't think they're overrated. But they are like... I guess it's like one of these meta things that like gym bros and stuff throughout like, oh, always have a banana with like peanut butter or whatever at breakfast. Like I do fucking love bananas. Uh, and when I'm not dying in hospital, I'm a bit of a gym rat. So I do love bananas. But I would probably say, yeah, Satsumas are great. The one that I would actually say is slightly, if we're going to rate, rate uh, fruit in this way, slightly overrated, would be apples. Purely because you have one of two options with apples as far as I'm concerned. Either you bite directly into them, which is like chipping teeth central as far as I'm concerned. In fact, it actually happened to me. So I have, I have PTSD <laughs> from biting straight into apples or you have to cut them up and those fuckers are super mm. hard and annoying to cut up. So even though I do love apples, if they were like pre-cut, in fact, that's a million dollar idea for someone. Pre-cut apples. Where are those in the supermarket? Yeah, apple slices. Do you? Whatever. Someone's already a billionaire, apparently. And I've, that's, that's skipped out on me. Whatever. I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on that because that, that, I would unironically be way more likely to buy that than uh, a normal mm. apple. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm going to trump your white grapes with red grapes because I feel like red grapes are just grapes but way more flavorful. So I'll say red grapes. When you say mm. white grapes, they're just like the see-through-y, super pale yeah, green ones, Yeah, kind of like right? greeny ones. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those are whack, green mate. Grapes. What are you doing? Get on those red grapes. I mean, grapes. they have higher variants. Some of the, if, they're, if they're not in season, they're absolutely garbage. They can like, be really sweet, though. They can be exactly. Exactly, but sure, when you get yeah. them in season, they're super sweet, and it's really, yeah. really nice. Whereas I find that red grapes, like, the, the it's like, you know, the variance is, is, is like this, whereas green grapes are like this. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'd rather have a shit red grape than a shit green grape. Don't get me wrong. Okay. But a good green grape. See, I'm a high floor kind of guy, Fox. So okay. got to get me a red okay. grape. Okay. Fair enough. What about you then, Thorin? 
I think man's easy. I've actually got a real one that I would have said in all of history. Just everyone, it seems, disagrees with me. I actually think kiwi fruit is mad underrated because it's another one of those ones where I think some people have just never had it when it's properly ripe. And here's Mm. the good news if it's a kiwi fruit, by the way. It's not like a pear where it's just indeterminate and it just sits there and then one day it's either perfect or ruined. Like a kiwi fruit will just gradually ripen. And so once you get sort of the sweet spot, like you you can do it by squeezing it, basically. Once you get the sense of how close it is to ripening, when it's ripe, it's really sweet, but not in like an overly sweet where it's just exactly how like natural sweet is where it doesn't go too far and then it's just got a really nice flavor profile i think it's really delicious and it's one of those ones that are a bit like watermelon where you can get you get the sense that it's got loads of like water in it and you're sort of like rehydrating mm. as well and you, i think it's just an underrated one you know i don't think i've ever eaten a kiwi actually genuinely See, i'm not gonna lie here's that interesting thing. i'm actually surprised or yeah no, it's uh, good that thorin made that comparison to watermelon because i think they are very similar for me but in a different way in that I actually dislike... Actually, I don't dislike kiwi. Kiwi's fine. I really don't like watermelon, and I'm not a massive fan of kiwi, but I love the smell of both. But to me, like, watermelons smell like nothing like how they taste. But I always used to buy, like, until it got a bit sickly sweet, and people were like, are you wearing women's perfume? But I used to buy watermelon-flavoured, <laughs> like... Uh, aftershave because it smelled fucking unreal flavored aftershave here's the question Foxtrot. the obvious one who the fuck's he trying to work like attract what was <laughs> i did the zoo was it there rich what the fuck are you talking about like yeah watermelon i know what the hell oh it was so good i mean i you know i wear what it's a unique angle true it's a unique angle honestly every now and then i trick myself into thinking like it's like any of those things where people are like, I don't like wine, but whenever I see people drink it or whatever, I think, mm, I fancy a glass. And then you have it and you remind yourself and you just don't like it. Mm. And for me, that's that watermelon. I just smell it. My like, oh, eye smells incredible. Take a bite. I'm like, like that. I That's that's carrots for me. I like the smell of carrots. When you when you taste them, they're just kind of bland, Do they have a smell? Know? The carrots have I a think, smell? I think a good carrots guy. Yeah, I think so. I'm like, oh, that, that could be yummy. And, and it's not. But that's that's a vegetable. We get into a whole different topic here, and obviously we couldn't be doing that. That would be blasphemous. We don't want to cross our, our food types. So let's so let's move on then, shall we? From food to uh, to esports. As I mentioned, we got some uh, lots of varied topics, but we will start with what we often start with here on the show. Often talk about uh, some League of Legends stuff and LEC, obviously with the spring split regular season or whatever the equivalent is now, concluding. Now we're getting through to the round robin phase where basically everyone apart from the absolute losers don't get through, those losers being Heretics and Excel. Excel continuing their struggles from winter, not able to fix anything despite some, uh, you know, they brought in Abdaga into the mid lane and stuff, and it still was not enough, and it's a bit of a no bueno, but still the, we're not talking about those guys. We want to talk about the winners of this split, and Astralis and BDS, like, what the hell happened there? That was crazy. Those guys really rose to the top, and uh, BDS especially looking absolutely legit. Um, my question, though, to you guys, do we do we have a potential new contender, someone to take on G2? G2 winning previously out in winter. Are they still the favorites coming into spring? Uh, or is someone else the favorites? And e- even if they are favorites, like, do you think someone can potentially challenge them, contend them, and we can get another, uh, a different winner here in spring? Thorin, talk to me. What do you think? I think as of right now, G2 would be the favorite. I think it would just be logical too. Like they've kept the same roster. They don't seem to have much of a drop off. Even some of the games they lost were fine. I think generally they have all the same strengths they did from the last split. So all in all, I think they are the best team. Like put it this way, if we're using like, the analogy Rich said before, like they have the highest floor of anyone. Like the general game of a G2 game, you can beat them. You have to play pretty well usually. And you probably have to be one of the better teams. I do think the only team that can actually beat them once we get to the best of fives is, the play- is Vitality. And it's just from the roster strength. If you look at the best games of Vitality, I even think actually people over blew the three games that they lost. Go look who they lost to. It was all the top three teams. And then you look how they lost. The G2 game was a banger. The other games, like some of those, they're in those games. They just happened to lose them. So to me, it's more about if G- if I think G2 is going to be in the final no matter what. I can't see a universe where they can get eliminated before. I don't think almost anyone else can beat them in a best of five. To me, it's if Vitality can sort of level up as the week squad. And then by the time we get to playoffs, hit the same level that G2 can hit. If they can, then I think Vitality can win. But I don't think any of the other teams. The problem with BDS and Astralis is... 
Like, first of all, I just don't think Astralis has, like, actually the overall, like, style and draft to actually win the league. I think they're going to be a bit... You're going to see them get exposed to the Investor 3s, in my opinion, even though they have a chance to get out. And then on the BDS side, I actually do think BDS is good, but I think this is a classic example of where, even though people think it's just, like, lazy analysis, inexperience is, it makes it really hard to win. Like, even Crownshot, who is your most veteran player... He hasn't been in LEC finals. He hasn't been in like game five of the best of five where you've got to win and all the pressure's on you and hey, coach, give me this pick and I can't. He's never done any of that stuff. He's always been on the underdog and he's always been a sort of a, like a lucky loser guy. Like, well, I'm doing well on a bad team. Like, so unfortunately, I do think BDS has showed a lot this split, but I just can't imagine a world that Nook and Shio are like carrying a final against G2. Like, if it happens, I'll tip my hat. But I've, I, to me, I think the problem actually is that Astralis and BDS have both mega overshot what should have been possible with their rosters and with like the rest of the league if you look at the setup so i think no it's no diss to them it's a bit like mad lions last split mad lions had no business being in the final i don't blame them for getting wrecked the real question is when you looked at the vitalities and the xls and all those teams you were like where were you you were supposed to be there to battle g2 so i think g2's done a great job i think vitality's positioned themselves to potentially win i think the others i think you're just asking too much like remember the g2 team is really good we're not just talking about any old team like they do look pretty like there's not many weaknesses on that squad for me cool um Fair enough. So you're very heavily onto onto hashtag Team G2. What about you, Rich? Are you in a similar boat there, or have you got uh, maybe an upset coming through? I mean, in best of fives, it is very hard, in my opinion, to see anyone beating G2. I think the main issue the league has in general is that even if in across the BO1s you want to say G2 haven't looked, you know, like an amazing, unstoppable force or whatever, it's not like any other team has like eye test wise been like, wow, they're just looking incredible and, you know, better or whatever. And even if that was the case, you'd still probably side with the idea that over a best of five, those G2 guys would prevail anyway. But yeah, that hasn't really happened. I mean, BDS, their first place, but it's not like they've shown like consistent, super clean, like cohesive team play that you trust over a best of five series, right? Like they have loads of bright spots that have regularly shown up. Like Adam has shown up more than he hasn't this split. Like he's had loads of really good games. Do I trust him in a best of five series? I mean, I kind of like the Adam into Broken Blade matchup individually, but that's basically the only matchup I like in that, you know, team matchup. Uh, Bots looks like really good. Like Crownie in, uh, specifically has also looked like really good in lots of games. One of the better AD carries. Is, do I trust him in, you know, against Hans Sammer and Mickey over five games with Labrov? No, not really. Do I trust Nook against Caps? You know, no, not really. Or even Shio into Yike, obviously both rookies, but you'd have to say that Yike overall has shown more so far. So I think it's a really rough matchup for them. I don't actually think... I love the BDS story. Like BDS are, without a doubt, my favorite team in the league in terms of like what was put into the mixer versus what the mixer has spat out so far. I think they're an amazing story, but I don't actually expect them to do well in series play um astralis nah like i again i love leader i've been like one of leader's biggest supporters for god knows how long even having coined the leader award uh, begrudgingly <laughs> at a certain point like back you know I, i'm really glad he got a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or whatever we're on now but uh -huh. i think he has merited it but at the same time do i trust leader and his champion pool in the best of five series fuck no absolutely not uh, now, Vitality, as Foreign said, is like the most interesting in terms of like, if you were to give them all steroids at the start of the day in a best of five series and they're all playing at their absolute peak performance and coordinated, yes, in my opinion, they are the only team who could hypothetically beat G2, but I still give that a near 0% chance. I have like no faith in them over a best of five series against G2, and I actually think it's incredibly likely that they lose to someone not named G2 before, before then, even though that team will for sure have worse players from uh, top to bot. So then I'm going to make a strange prediction here, okay? Uh, I actually think Mad Lions will play G2 in the final. Okay. I, I actually do. <laughs> I think... Listen, it's a ballsy like, call. Like, you'll, like yeah, someone timestamp this and come back if it does happen. I, I, actually, a call. I actually okay. think they will. I think that Chasey, like, matches up I don't well. think even Mad Lions think they're going to be in the final for quarter. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, yeah, probably not. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Chasey matches up well with anyone not named Photon. Uh, I think that Niski's one of those players who always, like, his role now is gatekeeper, basically. It's like, he'll beat everyone apart from the super elite people. He'll coordinate well with Oyoya until it like, really, really, really matters. But he is enough, in my opinion, to, like, 
that this team has the most replicable play style when they're playing well. If they have like, if they tell me ahead of time they had a really good week of scrims and everyone's on the same page, the biggest problem that they had last split was that Oyoya felt he had to carry every game and his play style reflected that. And to a certain extent, he was correct. What happened this split, which is really strange, is that actually Kazi stepped up a lot, but Oyoya still didn't trust Kazi like at all. If they can get on the same page, like if Kazi can keep playing at the level he's been playing at, and now Yoya can actually trust that his teammates are going to contribute, I actually think that they have one of the most consistent play styles over a best of series outside of G2. Unfortunately, again, going back to the same analogy, this is a case of like high floor, but also very low ceiling. Like Mad Lions is not an elite team and they cannot be an elite team in my opinion. But I do actually think they're going to make the finals. And I think they're going to lose 3-0 to G2 in the finals. So that Jeez. is my prediction. I I mean, yeah, there you go. A bit of a bit of a ballsy one, but fair enough. The three and six team, the only team making like the, the round robin stage with no one has less wins than them coming into that. If they play stage, Vitality, so... by the way, in the best of five, they will smash them. You can book yeah, that okay. one. He just doesn't stop, does he? Best of five. It's just a really horrible. That was Corpion there, it's just a really, it's a really horrible matchup for Vitality, in my opinion. But yeah, go on. Okay, I personally, what I want to see, like, I still obviously, you know, G two is still G two, and I think they've got to be favourites. But um, I want to see, uh, I want to see BDS and and specifically Adam. Because I, I think, you know, we've we've spoken a lot about him because he's always got good storylines because of, you know, he's he was like this the he burst onto the scene and was really yeah, he's a, he's a knob which is always good for publicity, let's be real. Any publicity is good publicity. Um but just the way he came on from like where he appeared in uh in, in the regional leagues and then when he came on to Fnatic and was like had a really good debut split and stuff. Uh, and even in the playoffs. You know, you remember that moment, you know, when, when they're in the, there's that, that sound bite where he's like, pick me Darius. I think yeah, it's Darius, yeah. right? And, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's like the confidence there. I think, yeah, okay, let's see what, what can happen. And, but my um, half mate is he just looks like a fucking he should be on the in-betweeners or something he's just like a ridiculous teenager like he literally looks like he's on like a clear <laughs> commercial or something mate. it's mental like everyone's just like no he's a top professional what are you talking about give me a break right? like so he is good at the game sort of sort of also i'll just throw this in there i think the reason why i justifiably will low-key be an adam hater forever is because even though he actually <laughs> is good at league in a oh, way like if you make it like i can totally see he must have been like a solo queue prodigy or something because in solo queue mm. i bet star works great the problem is though he does just remind me of the really greedy solo queue top laner that only cares about 1v1ing and carrying the game and will never group or will never help the team you know what i mean like yeah. he did i think he just taps into something primal if you played league enough yeah i know <laughs> he's like mean, he's honestly. the fucking nasa guy that never groups because he's still fucking uh, i'll carry the late game you're like bro we've lost all these team fights with the dragon like <laughs> there's no late game he's still just thinking he's gonna power up you know he's also the only top laner in the league that will just opt into random 1v1s because oh, he sees sure. a player like he'll be going to do his me hit tower thing even though laning phase is long over just get a glimpse of the guy coming out of the bush and then dipping back in there oh 1v1 and off he goes. He just sprints after these people. Like, he is so hungry to limit test. It's insane. Like, this guy needs a fucking leash. But, I mean, it has. <laughs> he is a coin flipper, but it has landed heads for him more often than not this split, luckily. So. Yeah, I, I think he's having a, a pretty good redemption split. You want to see him in the final Besky Fox drop? You want to see the Yeah, BBS I want to see him. I want story. to see what he can do. And, and okay. as you meant, like, if, if it is up against Broken Blade, I think it's a good, a good matchup. Like, God, I think, okay, bear with me when I say this, yeah, because I know you guys are going to flame me when I say it, but I think as far as getting, as far as what you might face in international competition as G2, like the way the international teams are going to push your buttons if you're G2, I think stylistically, BDS and specifically Adam, they'll hit those pain points for you as G2, okay? So I think it'll be the Can best practice for them coming into international competition okay not saying that bds is like these are the korean teams that you know it's like korean light or anything like that not not saying that but that's just my opinion on that on the flip side though adam just 
you know, hypothetically caves his face in three games in a row and you just think, well, off to MSI with Broken yeah, Blade yeah, in top lane. Time that's... for another international event post-2019. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo. Like, that'll be fun yeah. to watch, won't it? So in a weird way, yeah. you kind of hope that won't happen because if BDS does get his shit shoved in again, you're like, well, what's the fucking point? You might as well not go. Yeah. Well, it'd be, it's, it's in London, mate. That's why we're all going, right? That first, finally, we get something in England again. That's that's going to be fun. Anyway, let's move on here. Uh, enough of stinky League of Legends. We all hate that video game. It's wank. Um, let's talk about Counter-Strike, specifically Counter-Strike 2, CS2. It was uh, it was maybe kind of seemed like a bit of a meme, but it's not a meme. It's actually a thing. It's coming out. Counter-Strike 2 is a thing. We've seen some sneak peeks of uh, of what, what's to come. Uh, Valve has announced that uh, 2024 Copenhagen is going to be the first CS2 major so CSGO generally is in its last year kind of just like that it's going to be gone which is kind of surprising honestly from yeah just yeah it, 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 it's going and CS2 is coming in tell me about what you guys think about uh, CS2 as a whole from what you've seen you know we've seen some of like the, the, the like the smoke mechanics and different like grenades grenade stuff coming through and site tweets to the game and whatnot um, do you think it's good? Would you add anything? Would you change anything? Do you think that Counter-Strike needs refreshing in any in any way that hasn't been addressed so far? Um, and yeah, just tell me what you think about it and uh, Counter-Strike's competitive scene as well as a whole. So uh, Rich, hit me up. What are your thoughts? I'm going to come across as like a bit of a hater because I feel like the general consensus has been pretty positive. And like the clip that always sticks in my head is the one, I don't know if you've seen it, of like, simple seeing cs2 for the first time when he's at that event and he's like bringing his teammate goes like, look look at the smoke isn't this crazy and to me all that really highlights is like how starved like players have been from like playing the same game like over and over again that all these in my opinion like minuscule tweaks i don't necessarily mean in terms of how like the game will actually pan out like i do think the smoke thing is like a big game changer in, in certain aspects mm. but like it it's it looks so similar to just CSGO, in my opinion, with just, like, a couple of things changed. Like, it does come across generally as fairly contrived to me. Uh, like, I'm someone who's not, like, overly concerned about graphics when it comes to competitive games. Like, as long as the game works optimally and viably and the graphics are good enough for the, you know, the game to play out, I don't really care about graphics. And I don't really notice much difference outside of, like, some blood effects and so on. And obviously how, how the nades sort of interact. I do think the nade, uh, like the smoke changes specifically are interesting, but I also feel like you're going to see just some really cheesy sort of counter smoke strats to begin with. Like I, the I, this idea that I, I'll just give an example. Like I went into a fucking custom game with a mate and he took a Negev and I took an orb and he just sprays a Negev into the smoke and you can just orb everyone through the smoke. Like shit like this is going to mm. be the starting meta for the game unless they do sort of hot fixes and stuff beforehand obviously people you know the beta came out people are still testing it um it's still got wall hacking as far as i can see so far like lots of this stuff will change of course before it comes out but of the things that have changed even though they're cool or like it seems like they're cool just purely because they're different not necessarily because the cogs are working in my brain thinking oh that's cool because then you could do this and this i actually think the most positive change is the strat mode um because people that don't know how strat mode used to work in cs is you know you see the videos on youtube of like the cs uh, the ct models like flying through the air as they throw the grenade or whatever like on this strat mode you can actually see before you throw exactly where the nade will land oh, or okay. first bounce mm. which is really useful that's going to save you so much time and in reality if you say you know that the average igl spends <clears throat> i don't know 10 hours a week or whatever in strat mode you can do just as much in five hours, I would wager, just by virtue that you actually don't have to throw the fucking nade a hundred times to get it to bounce in the perfect spot. It tells you the exact pixel it will bounce on. Crucially, not where it will plume, but where it will bounce. So it doesn't do like everything for you. Like You still need to work, work that out. But I think that is a really cool and overdue change and something that only benefits the game and the levels that people are going to be able to reach and play out and the efficiency at which they'll get there. So I think that is really awesome. That aside, I personally have not really seen anything at all where I'm like, oh, we needed that. Like, I don't know. For me, it's not a big enough overhaul uh, for, for me to feel like it's justified at this point in time. And 
I'm not even sure. I'm not even coming up with counter suggestions of like they should have added this or done this. Or I'm, I'm not really sure what you should do. I mean, ultimately, it's a game that's been around as a competitive game for like 30 years at this point, and you don't necessarily have to force changes. I feel like things like the smoke are a bit forced, and I think they're very exploitable. And I already sort of gave an example of how I think that can be exploited. So yeah, I don't know. I'm not a massive fan. And when it comes to the esports side, I think. It's sad. I mean, I think Thorin's talked about this before as well, but like how few majors, if you actually look back at the last however many years in, in Counter-Strike goes like final years as it will now be, there have been. And how unfair really that is when you look at sort of the pantheon of teams and eras that are being established and basically how you can't establish an era at this point. Like if you if you peaked, you know, mid last year, you didn't get to have an era. It didn't matter how good you were. So I do. I think that is sad as well. Also, the announcement of the... the uh, event at Copenhagen doesn't actually really tell us anything other than because of the timing and so on there probably won't be like loads of majors that year either so I think that's a bit confusing um I'm not sure how big a fan I am of that I think if they were going to announce something as big as like the first major they should have also given us some kind of roadmap about you know how the circuit would be sort of structured I know it's difficult because you have different um tournament organizers and so on but I think just announcing one major is like oh this will be the first major yeah, it didn't do much for me, I'll be honest. It kind of just felt like a AAA company releasing like their new, uh, their, their like annual Assassin's Creed title or something, you know? It didn't, doesn't seem like there's been a lot of uh, forethought when it comes to the esports side that's been put into it. So, yeah. Also, they could have at least like fucking up the prize pool. You know, one thing you could at least do is if you're only going <laughs> to announce that, say, three million, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? I know money's not everything, but it's like at least it doesn't even feel tangibly different it feels like oh cool so it's going to be a new major that's on a technically different game and the smokes will be a bit different i guess like i don't know i i'm i i know i have like a, a negative out, outlook on it i guess and obviously i want it to be good and to succeed and i hope they change it more i guess but i, I don't know i'm not overwhelmed by cs2 thus far okay not really feeling it are you feeling it Dorian? what do you think about cs2 I am and I aren't. I am in the sense that I actually don't want them to change much about CSGO. I think it's a good game. And quite frankly, from seeing the devs in Counter-Strike, I think they don't fundamentally understand what Counter-Strike esports is. And I think they tend to fuck things up when they change them. Hence why the economy now is just basically permanently broken. And now the joke is people don't even discuss it. Like apparently loads of pros and streamers went to Valve headquarters to test CS2. Not a single fucking one ever brought up the fact that the economy of the game has been busted for like a year and does things like if people don't know if you win the ct side pistol round and the terrorists force buy and they plant it on the on the pistol they can have as good or a better buy and they beat you and then your economy is fucked in the toilet and essentially just watch if you if you're a casual you've never watched cs much think of what i'm saying and when you see a half like this you will find that that ct half is about three times harder to play than if they hadn't a loss like the second round in that scenario essentially the difference between having money as a ct and not it shortly changes what the game is because as i always say if you don't have money in on the ct side you have to win the round and keep three people alive so you have money for guns so you have like a double hit against you whereas the terrorist side can just play a war of attrition they can have zero people survive the bomb explode and they wouldn't get all the money and they're back with their cheap buy so my biggest problem essentially is this i think it's all bush marketing and for all and like what rich says like people in csgo don't get a lot of new things so they're all getting all these flashy shiny objects are coming in wow oh my god look at the fireworks store this is so shy like the molotov's the best example people were like wow look at the graphics like Remember, when you play the game, you don't want really good graphics. You want visibility. Mm. That makes it worse. Now the graphics are too good. Like that actually looked like it was it was making it harder to see through. Whereas the best thing about an old Molotov is the graphics aren't very advanced on a Molotov. It just looks like very basic bits, almost like Minecraft fire. And you just look through it, don't you? You never get lost in the flames, as it were, like some fucked up extra from Game of Thrones season two or whatever it was before they <laughs> totally before they totally abandoned the main storyline of the fucking show and then pretended it never was anything. Brilliant writing there so basically the problem i have is this i like it because they're not changing much like as far as i can tell it's csgo with slightly better graphics a lava lamp in dust to spawn and then a bunch of like lens flares that jj abram is shining over walls into your eyes while you play the game and everyone thinks that's great as well by the way i don't get at all what these people are thinking is better like 
the problem with graphics, like I said, is better graphics is something you want if you're trying to show off a video card. It's not what you actually want in the game. You want legibility. You want to be able to see things in the game. So to me, the reason it's good is that not much has changed. The downside is this whole for Raw, this is just a hyped up version of what happened with Overwatch. Everyone kept talking like it'll be a game changer. Maybe the game will be revitalized. Maybe people from other games will come back. Maybe people would notice how all these storylines are the same storylines. But then you looked, and of course it didn't, because Overwatch Watch 2 is just Overwatch 1.5. And this is just CSGO 1.5 called CS2 now. If anything, the actual sleeper biggest change is calling it Counter-Strike 2. Because there's a very good reason they didn't call Counter-Strike Source and CSGO Counter-Strike 2, in my opinion, because those were cynical cash-ins and they never thought it would last another 10, 20 years. So they didn't want to... They wanted with those games to not kill 1.6, but have another game that everyone buys and then sort of play it safe and decide which. Mm. This, because they're going to shut CSGO down because it's just CS2, basically... They're just going to call it CS2, and essentially the bigger news here is Valve's actually embraced that this is Counter-Strike, and it's going to, in theory, be a long-term property. It's going to presumably try and run another 10, 20 years, and then I imagine if they, if it succeeds, this will just be the new model. There, aren't, there isn't going to be Counter-Strike 3 in the sense that it'll just be another gra engine update, and it'll be keeping most of the same. Because if people don't know the amount of money that... Like, everyone knows Riot makes all the money from skins and stuff. No, no, people don't know how much money Valve makes, mate. Like, I'm talking back in something mad, like 2015, or 2016, I remember reading a report that said they were up to something mad, like they'd made like three billion in revenue from Counter Strike. Like, if you know how little the costs are, they must have made tens of billions of dollars from this game. Like, this actually, in terms of like cost to make the game, which remember they outsourced, it's got to be one of the craziest ROIs of all time. So, in my opinion, it's totally logical that the main approach on this seems to be don't rock the boat, but give all the plebs little shiny updates that they think is a, is like a fundamentally different change. But all you need to know is this. From day one of the beta being played, people like Nico were just doing all the normal clips. Like, there was a clip on Reddit where people were like, oh, my God, Nico popping off on CS2. You watch it, right? It's just a normal Nico with an AK on Dust 2, just, like, clicking everyone in the head. Like, he does all day long in CSGO, even in pro matches. Like, there was nothing different, which actually implies, by the way, the mechanics are almost identical. Like, it's just CSGO with some new bells and whistles. Now, in terms of the follow-up angle, you said, like, what would you change? That's the biggest missed opportunity to me, because one thing people might not know is, like, I'm not one of those people who complains if you take, like, a book or a comic book and you adapt it into a movie, the change stuff change i have no problem with shit changes i hate if you shit you change it why not just keep it the same it was pretty good if you want to go and like say you're some like visionary director and you want to do something totally different with the characters or the premise yeah go for it use your artistic creativity so my problem is i think there's a lot of fundamental things in cs go we all want change like i said that economy like, it addressed some things. Like, we had a very harsh economy reset before. Now we've gone too far the other way. Then I'd also say, along the lines of, like, Richard's angle, if you want to give, like, something that's actually, like, got substance as a change, there's two obvious ones to me. One, he's already said it. I would have said the first CS Major is, like, triple the prize money or something. That would even indicate it's a new game. The fact that it isn't. And if you don't know Foxtrot, if you have CSGO, it's free to get upgraded. So it just is Overwatch 2, mate. Like, that's the reason why they're not putting the money up, because nothing about the business will have changed. It's still CSGO. And the other thing I would says this, I think the biggest missed opportunity of all, it's actually the biggest missed opportunity in the history of Counter-Strike, is remember in Counter-Strike, we even veto this way, the variable that changes a game is the map not the character, we're not following, we don't have agents, we're not League of Legends, we don't have champions but in League of Legends, it's one map isn't it, it's just like fucking just summoners rift, so in CSGO the biggest problem I think is that they not only is there a bad map pool now, but like that would be awesome, imagine if you were like right CS2's coming out, and by the way guys we didn't tell you this, but we've got five competitive maps lined up. First one will come the first stream, and second one, you know, that would be incredible, dude. That would be the game changer, because then if you're a pro player, it's like, right, there is something new to play. There is something new to practice towards. This will be fundamentally different to CSGO, but actually, the, the maddest part of all, this is actually the craziest part of that announcement. There are no new maps. It's just the old maps with slight tweaks. Like, they just put, like, a different, you know, fucking tree somewhere on overpass. And they were like, there you go. And then all the morons again are like, oh, they fundamentally changed. I mean, like, the, what's sad is it's worked. The marketing campaign has worked. Everyone thinks it's CS2. So I, I like it in the sense I don't think much has changed. I just like CSGO. I do think a lot of it's sort of like, I wouldn't say it's not, it's not, it's, it's nothing. It's a lot of it's surface level stuff to me, though. And they didn't fundamentally change much that I would, like, improved. You know, the thing oh, the one last thing as well. There's one other tangent because yeah. I said this on Twitter. The other thing I really, if I could pick one thing, if I had a genie, here's what I would actually pick in Counter Strike. 
please just make it so that like the game itself and the Steam market is like an Amazon market where someone can like have a sub shop on Amazon and they sell through Amazon and you make a thing. Because the number one thing literally that right now, by the way, I'm picking the perfect time to say this. Esports was never making money for the majority of the companies that aren't the game dev or the pro player because they don't have any costs, obviously. So the worst thing about esports is there is still no path to monetization for team orgs and TOs that aren't the game dev. Well, there's the number one thing tomorrow every game dev could do. If you even give a slight taste to those people, and I'm not talking give them your revenue, let them make their own revenue. Let Navi and Fnatic and G2 and all these teams make their own skin and their own like fucking sub shop where you buy a banner and a little profile thing and you have a voice line from Nico shut up or whatever and you have a thing from fucking simple you're thinking bitch or whatever not only would Valve remember make their cuts so they would make millions and millions and millions more but all these teams tomorrow become profitable I'm telling you like they would literally revolutionize the whole industry the downside is I know game devs, and that's the one thing they will never do, because in their mind, I don't know why this is a thing, they actually don't want to just give up any power, basically. It's mm. the old Riot thing again. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you say to Riot, spoiler, this is the company I was with, did this, basically, that Snipe company. They were like, would you like free money, Riot? We'll just work and do all the work and then give you your cut. And they were like, yeah, but we just want more, so shut it down. Spoiler, that's what happened with that. That's what happened with ProView. If people don't know, they were like, oh, it's getting, yeah, it's got like a healthy subscriber base that consistently pays to check notes just watch people play the game and we just get our cut of the money but we'd rather it was just like a million x and it isn't so just shut it down just forget about that basically don't even give us the free money but you just stop making money too so fuck all game devs essentially <laughs> fuck all games a little bit of a tangent there by the way on the on the map thing like like obviously yeah that would be ideal right like oh they release it in five new maps or they stagger them out whatever do you like to create really good hype you wouldn't need that. You need one map, and then like they another one would be awesome, right? Yeah. If they br yeah. when they brought in all the people, uh, all the pros, whatever, and they're asking them, you know, what feels good, what you've changed, whatever. Like, I think so many players understand. Like, if you group one area where groupthink works really well is something like map design. Like, if you have the hollow framework for a map and you put a bunch of pro players in it and cycle them through a few games between them they will come up with some good ideas to make sure. like a semi-competitive map. And I think if they just release like one map on launch and then like announce that another one's going to be coming out in six months time. Even that, that's like, you know, 20% of what you said in terms of the workload for them. And that would have still been hype as fuck. Also, new guns. Like I just went to check it and this is so disingenuous. Oh, there's, there's nothing new. Well, no, ah, that's where you're wrong. So there's a little announcement and the thing they put out talking about new guns coming your way or, or like new, sorry, new weapons coming your way. And I click on it and it's literally just like, different shaped knives and it's hey, like what are we doing? Okay. but at least you know a yeah, map, make more skins basically yeah. people don't know the knife skins like the one of the most expensive ones yeah, yeah. that's just medical cynical even mate. at least like <laughs> okay funny. like making a new map like there's some work that goes into it heaven forbid but at least come up with like a couple new guns like and now there's going to be like a new assault because again it talk about change which doesn't you know uh i mean it would take a real sort of uh old head super conservative person to be like well it's been ak and m4 for 25 years and i refuse like if you announce there's going to be like a new sort of method a gun that's designed to be like a meta ar which both sides can use or something like that that would be amazing if you think about all the yeah. all the ways that that could change the game as well particularly because again for people that don't know obviously the ak is like a one-shot headshot and then the silence m4 is like a very different style of play but if you then had like bring out one gun which both sides could use or something like this and i'm not saying that would be the way to go maybe that would normalize the game too much but just just anything like new guns come on man like it's a new fucking game and you're not gonna release a single new gun that is crazy to me in a shooter that is actually mind-blowing so yeah it, it does feel like the more i think about it along those lines it does feel more cynical and contrived to just yeah like uh as as, as soren said to like cash grab yeah. by the way really small thing or something that sounds really small but to me as someone who's played like competitive shooters like my whole life i actually really grates me and again this is something that i have seen happen from someone playing the game with the molotov thing it's not just that as Thorin said like you want the maximum visibility or whatever there's actually tangible rng elements again a casual player be like oh fuck off mate like how precise you want to be but when you throw the molotov the way it plumes and it has like that oily effect and everything and yeah it looks fucking cool and if you want to advertise the new gtx graphics card as Thorin said yeah great the problem is there's actually an rng element because the way the flame the flames plume and the way that oily effect goes through 
there can be a moment in time where either you have a one-way shooting gallery, which basically means that one player on one side can actually see you better than you can oh, see him right. through the other okay. side. Or just the way it animates across, there's just like a moment in time where you actually couldn't see and kill someone that you could have seen and killed. Which again, ah, right. sounds small, but it's like, that's oh, pure luck. If, I'm, if yeah. I'm throwing a Molotov to stop a push, but I actually execute it badly, on CSGO, the guy will just see the gap and just shoot me straight through the gap immediately. If I get bad RNG, or if I'm the guy through it, good RNG, that effect goes across his screen and he can't see me. That's just pure luck that I've just survived from that mistake. So again, sounds like a small thing, but I guarantee you over the course of like a tournament circuit, people will get fucked over by the fact that there are more graphics and animations going on fucking with people's visibility. So... Yeah, looks cool, but from an eSport perspective, yeah, not not ideal, I would say, for competitive integrity. So, despite it being like a you know like a League of Legends guy at this League of Legends guy at this point in my in my in my career and like what I play, my 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 first competitive game that I really played was 1.6. I played the shit like crap ton of 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 1.6 at like land cafes and stuff like that, and then Source when that came out was probably, it's probably like my most well not next to league of legends i always played game and then csgo i played a huge bunch of that as well so i'm not too like as far as the competitive scene goes i'm not like too clued in on that but as i as like a player i know what kind of like i know counter-strike and i've also been around for the for those like launches of source the launch of counter-strike go and there are two things that i that kind of come into my mind when, when i look back at those launches and now that i see csgo to uh, cs2 the two things that number one, the most important thing of any Counter Strike is gameplay mechanics. Doesn't matter, and, and anything else is like D tier and S plus tier is gameplay mechanics. It really doesn't matter. Like a game, as you say, like Valorant or or, or League of Legends, where you have characters and stuff like that. I do think like character design and like your like just how these characters interact and how how they look and how they feel is actually quite important. Um, but for count for CS for counter strike it's all about the the mechanics like whether it's the shooting mechanics or just how the game plays it's almost like one of the most pure like competitive games you can get uh, as far as like compared to, to other genres so cs cs2 on release in my opinion will live and die by how those mechanics go and i don't think you need to change much from csgo because as you both said it's already a pretty successful game and it's got good mechanics and stuff like that secondly i will say as well Every single time a new Counter Strike has come out, people play it for a month. They complain that it's awful, that it's wank. They hate it. They go back to the old game. They play that for a while, and then everyone comes back to the new game. I don't know whether that's necessarily because Ralph tweaks things and makes it better and makes it playable, or whether people just hate change. And especially the Counter Strike scene is very like uh, quite a, I don't want to say elitist, but a very like purist um, scene. Um, so I, I kind of expect it to have a bit of a floppy launch. <laughs> If you pardon the expression, um, but I don't. I, I I think you know, I wouldn't judge it by the first few months. I judge it after the year. I think it's really hard for for counter for a Counter Strike game to really be judged until after it's had time to settle in. Just because people don't like change. I mean, you you see the professional players when they when you watch their streams, and if you've seen like their like over the shoulder POV at any LAN tournaments, they play on the ugliest fucking settings oh, ever. Like it's hideous. If like people the... don't know you play like super low resolution yeah, and low you put, resolution, like the stretched bars. Stretch. And, yeah. It looks like it your... actually looks like an N sixty four game, doesn't it? Yeah. It's mad. You, you lit it's it's like the more <laughs> yes. hideous you can make it, yeah. it's like the more chef's kiss it is to a yeah. to a FPS pro. It's true. Because it helps with like, you know, seeing things and, and you want more like a, almost like a zoomed in perspective yeah. rather than like a wide perspective absolutely ugly to watch but still either way that is how purist counter-strike players are and that is how important competitive edges for them so things that you're mentioning i think are a really big deal as well like the molotov like visual effects i think will play a huge deal to it um and so when you're showing off this shiny new game it doesn't matter at all in the from a professional standpoint because i just i just don't think they give a fuck at all um and yeah Let's move on to our last topic of the day, though. We've 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 been narrowing on about Counter Strike. I am quite excited to see CS two, though. I'll be honest, or CS Go one point five is probably is going to end up being, uh, if recent trends or anything to go by with games companies. Uh, let's talk about TSM, uh, Team Solar Mid. Recently, they they announced they've had a few uh, cutbacks from their organization. They fired a lot of people. Reginald saying that uh, they expanded too quickly. It costs them, and now they've had to trim back. Obviously, this is all tied into their FTX deal, 
that they had, which was like over $200 million and FTX crypto bros just exploded and it's all gone nowhere. And so uh, arguably, rumor has it, you know, TSM, they had this still lined up. They overspent because, right, we sorted for the next few years. We've got loads of money and then FTX all goes under and they're not going to get any of that money. And now they're kind of screwed and having to change things. Part of the cutbacks is not just in their staff, but their presence in esports and uh, biggest one being the rumor that they might be looking to leave the lcs now, tsm is like the og league of legends organizations love love them or hate them they've been around since the the dawn of of league of legends esports before the lcs was even a thing like the, the culture and to just the cult of tsm is irreplaceable and even if they do leave people will still be chanting tsm it's a big deal if they if they stepped out of league of legends but it's looking like, you know, that's the rumor. They're looking to sell the LCS spot. Reginald, their, um, the, the CEO of TSM, uh, made a statement saying that TSM is committed to esports. We're planning to enter CSGO sometime later this year, which is a larger investment than all of the games we've left combined. They, they had a CSGO team, didn't they? And then they just kind of dipped. It was basically like the really... one that became Astralis. Astralis, it was like, yeah. We're talking like eight years ago, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. It was a long I'm time old, ago, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, TSM is always evaluating what esports ecos what esports ecosystems are best to invest in and will continue to enter and exit games. Didn't say they're not leaving LCS, which is a bit of a smoking gun in and of itself. If you don't know as well, TSM is uh, heavily investing in like uh, apps and stuff like that, like competitive apps in the Blitz app is, is, is their thing as well. Um, Essentially, esports doesn't make money. TSM is going to bugger off, and it could be the end of an era. What do you think, guys? Talk to me about, uh, you know, TSM potentially dipping out of esports, especially the League of, Le League of Legends esports, where they're such a big name. Uh, and if you kind of think this will have some kind of um, impact in, in, in how the, the market goes for organizations who might just be looking to do something similar and whether it will influence decision-making of other of other orcs. I'll come to you first uh, on this one, Thorin. What are your thoughts? Right, first of all, and this isn't whether I like TSM or not, I think it's almost inarguable that it is a bad thing when an, an org like TSM leaves the space, especially if they leave LCS slash League of Legends, which as you say, they basically are North American League of Legends culture. It's just mm -hmm. the case. Even some of the teams that came afterwards somewhat tried to ape and copy their style and do things the same way and have the same type of stream and culture. And, all that. and quite frankly, they've still endured and they're still probably the most famous, as you say. Even when they're not at international tournaments, people do still do that chant of TSM. So even though it's annoying, like I tell you what, there's a lot of fucking really, really good teams. Like I'll give you an example. Team Liquid's won way more championships than TSM in the last like decade, half a foot, half a year, what mate, they don't get fucking chance like that. There's no such thing as a fan culture like that. So you cannot argue. It's a bit like Optic in Call of Duty, or you could even say Fnatic in European League of Legends. You might not like the annoying fans, but they're actually a symptom that they did something in a way that other people weren't able to. They attracted even those nuts. So I think when you lose someone like that, it's the same as when a great player like someone like Faker retires. The reason it sucks is it doesn't matter if he's bad at the end of the game. No one else that steps into his shoes the next day is faker they don't, they don't have the same stature and storyline and so that does cost esports in my opinion you, and you can look at sports to be honest even when people like michael jordan retire it causes the whole league to just tank for like years it, they have to wait until do, why am i still watching basketball who is the best what does it mean that they win when he's not in that all the shit happens so basically i think it's really bad in terms of like fan engagement and especially old school people caring about league of legends if tsm dies then i'll just say this just throw this in there. It's almost like when people like Lena used to flex that the company was profitable, that wasn't in any way the esports part, making her a disingenuous piece of shit. Because if they were profitable at all in esports, why the fuck would you throw profit away? You need money. What you do right now is you double down on LCS and make loads more money. Oh, what's that? It was always costing you, and you've been running a fucking budget roster, not least because you were stupidly letting a moron friend of local Dorcos from over half a decade ago steal your money before it ever got to shit tape players that he was picking are you ready instead of people like Bo, Pete, that penny still hasn't dropped for a lot of people rich they don't get it this motherfucker didn't just put bum ass players on the roster because he was clearly going with whoever pays him more money he picked people like that fucking nobody over Bo. 
He picked that. If people don't know, he could have just been in TSM like two years ago now. Yeah. They could already have benefited from all of this. And I'll just say this right now. If you see how good that guy is, one, he would be cracked in the LCS. And two, alone he could have turned around the whole fortune of TSM, the org. If he was the jungler, now all of a sudden, not only are the players here there, like people like Maple would be so much better with someone like that. But on top of that, I'll add this in. People will want to come when they see him play, yeah. mate. That's the one thing you haven't had in TSM since Bjergsen left. There's a reason to go to the team beyond just more which obviously now we know they don't even have it. So then I'd spin it on the other side. The CSGO one, you know what? I'll believe it when I fucking see it because they've bragged for the last year about how they're getting in the CSGO. And the way they phrased that there, I think it's mega disingenuous because it's to hype you, right? You're supposed to hear that and go, holy shit, when they come into CSGO, it's going to be worth more than all their other ones. I'll tell you right now why that's not even what it sounds like. It's because if they come into CSGO, even if you had the number one team in the world, right now you would be completely hamstrung in CSGO because if you're not a Louvre agreement team, and especially if you're not a Blast partner team, you won't be in most of the tournaments. That's one of the harshest things about the way it works. People don't even know how the Blast thing fucks you overall in general. It's the reason why ESL maintains their own ranking because they know if they ever include all the Blast events at the proper level, then Blast now runs the scene because since essentially if you're a Blast team, like even a bad team like EG that loses all the games, you just spawn in the group stage every time. By the way, that even gives you ranking points with the way stupid TV does their rankings. Even if you come last place and lose all the games. Whereas this has happened when people like Heroic and Gambit were the best teams in the world, but not partner teams were blast. They used to have to go through that showdown and look, Gambit was so good they could do it. But the joke is you have to win some mad like seven best of threes to get to the point the other guy starts at essentially. So that in itself means I took that implication of it's going to cost more to be like, maybe they're going to buy up another team's spots in these leagues. You know what I mean? Like a Louvre spot. Or, like what you do is you go to, it might even be an evil genius as who knows. Somebody wants to shed the game. You go to them and you sort of buy their roster, at least the core of it. Then you buy the spot with it. Because remember, in CS, we still have that fuck thing that Valve does where they pretend there aren't real businesses. Spoiler, there are Valve. They're losing millions of dollars to make your game look good, you cunts. But they pretend like these are all just amateur players just playing in the tournament. So essentially, if you don't know, the spots typically belong actually to the fucking players. Now, it's not entirely that way the business works. As far as I know, the org owns it. But the, the point is you would buy it from the org. So I imagine it sounds like maybe they will come in CSGO, but that just sounds like one last roll of the dice. It doesn't sound like a big way to succeed. I doubt they're going to have one of the best teams in the world. If I had to guess, they'll do a min-max where you come in with like sort of a gamble roster and then, or maybe you even do the NA angle and just get some like good NA players that aren't that expensive. And you just hope, you just roll the dice. You're not going to come in with like a top five lineup. I don't buy it. And then the last thing I'll say is, I actually think it's also really sad because I don't think any other org could ever collapse like this. Like, there's actually a dual dual component to this. One is no other org seems to have the same level of power in one person at the top. You're all going to think naively, no, 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 like Cloud9 Jack and like Steve Arza. That's because you don't know business guys. You're just people from League of Legends. Like, if you don't know, you know there was another guy in Cloud9 the whole time who actually ran the CSGO division last year. You guys didn't know that, did you? He worked out, I won't tell you his name because you don't know, fuck yeah. He worked with me at Flashpoint. He was one of the main people. He doesn't actually work with Cloud9 anymore. I don't think there was similarly in Team Liquid. Like as far as I know, it's fucking Nazgul, the European guy. He runs the CS:GO one, and then Steve Arnsett runs the League one. Like it's not as simple as people think. Reggie, as far as I know, was the God Emperor. He had ultimate power to do and say anything he wanted. And then the last thing is, this is where I actually think the real sleeper thing that killed them was Lena. because Lena apparently now takes no responsibility for any of the ills under her presidentship as presidency but clearly that this the the poison had to have been set in there like the weeds had to have started growing already there so i think unfortunately i can't even think of another org that's going to be like this like you can have orgs that'll fail in business like phase you can have all i've had some of the big orgs in lcs are for sale mate you can just behind the scenes is open secret you just buy them if you give them x amount today which by the way implies someone needs some fucking quick exit money to get the fuck out of dodge probably from some other shit that's bigger than league like you can buy these orgs the difference is i think every other org so cloud nine has a whole board of people and investors and they have a structure i don't think any other org could have this almost like Shakespearean fucking like fall of the Roman Empire thing where at the end it just all collapses in on itself completely in a way that seemingly can't even be halted. Like no matter what they say about CSGO, think about how that plays if you're fucking Reginald. Yeah, but I have to pull out of that League of Legends game and go into this CSGO game. 
What, you mean the one without all the Chinese and Korean players, you fucking moron? That's just waving the white flag. That's just retreating into, like, the last shed in your kingdom instead of the castle. What are you doing? Like, if anything, the only way this message sounds good is like this. Look, we've got a lot of business problems going. We're having to cut the fat. We're trimming things back. But don't worry, we're going harder in league. We're going to become the best in league again. Then we're going to build the bit. That's what you want to hear if you're a TSM fan. The joke here is I actually almost pity TSM fans now. So that's how you know how far we've come, Foxtop. That's how you know. Because, you know, before that, my, my role was to sort of torture them in purgatory, wasn't it? Literally, you are the gatekeeper. You're the face they see as they're sinking beneath the exactly. wave. <laughs> the hand that reaches out. <laughs> Sake. What about you, Rich? Tell me, what are you feeling about TSM's dip from uh, from league and perhaps esports as a whole? I mean, the the CS angle, I think, is just like maximum levels of uh, cynical. Like this idea that you're going to leave League of Legends and then invest in Counter-Strike, which is also just a complete fire pit to lose your money in for free. Like, it doesn't make any sense. The only reason they're doing this or would hypothetically do this is because they know they could get money for the LCS slot and then, as Soren said, most likely min-max something in CS for a bit to show the fans that they're still, like, serious about esports. Because, again, as Soren said, like, esports has never been the money-making part of their business. It's always been the websites. It's always been the guide sites. It's always been the streaming angles. Like, TSM yep. as a brand itself has always oh, been killed bigger it all than all that shit, yeah. Yeah, it's always been bigger than its esports division. So that is purely a stopgap to be like, look, guys, we're still serious about esports. Because there's something to be said about sort of, um, like, ethereal brand strengthening from the from the aspect of, like, if you leave esports completely, you do disconnect from some people who are fans of TSM. Whereas if you take a hit, but like a tactical hit in terms of finances on esports, but you're still sort of serious and in esports, then you can sort of maintain that fan base while still not using it as like the epicenter of your business because it's never going to be able to make money, right? Um, but I just think what's interesting and I guess more worrying is like you have all these American orgs were always seen as like the safer investment. I remember back in the day when we were talking about like finance, uh, franchising and everything, it was always, and the reason why G2 and Mad and Misfits all wanted to go to NA was because, you know, single language country, that was always a big thing. It's like, how do you get sponsors in Europe? Because in NA, everyone speaks English, so it's way easier. Obviously, just generally per capita, a more affluent country. Like whenever you look at Twitch dynamics and stuff, they're listed as like a group A in terms of like the average spend per person, etc. So they were always seen as like a safer investment but now you're seeing like phase who just announced that they've lost like 55 million dollars or whatever it was since like going public obviously teams like heroic have shown that they're like in financial troubles recently i know they're not a an american team but i just feel like it's now in terms of like if i or how to what extent i care about this happening or not i would say ordinarily i'd be kind of rooting for tsm and phases downfall it's obviously bad in the short term in so far as it's like if you want esports to be propped up and the scene to be as big and as widespread as possible, then yeah, losing a TSM is obviously bad. But at the same time, I kind of want people to be punished for their mistakes. And I would like to see like a soft reset, you know, where like people reevaluate and approach it more seriously. However, I no longer think that simply because we are now in a post Saudi getting into esports era where honestly, as far as I can see, not even three years from now, they're just they're just going to take over everything. I'm already convinced at this point. They will consume everything and move over esports like a thick London fucking 1910 smog. It won't even just, just be consume. them, Rich. As far as I've heard, it, like just like football, if no one, this is why Americans are shit out of luck on this topic. You have to know Premiership football. If you do, you know exactly yeah. what's coming, which is it'll be the Saudis, then the Qataris, Abu Dhabi will get involved. They're all going to yeah. be in. It's just going to be a feeding frenzy. And anyone who's left over, China can have them. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that is, it. That's esports from now on. That is. And, and the, I mean, the this kind of went under the radar a little bit, actually. But for anyone who saw, like, that Gamers 8 thing, like, they got announced yeah. last month, $45 yeah. fucking million dollars just pulled out of their backside. Just out of nowhere that you think the viewership on that is people be don't know like... the aim the whole aim is to make these circuits all culminate in events in their countries yeah. that's the whole premises of it's to get it so if, there's another thing it won't just be business as usual but owned by saudi 
the worlds will be in for well, not worlds for league is born by China, but like ESL tournaments will be in Riyadh or whatever the fuck. They'll all be in these countries. Riyadh, Dubai, yeah. get ready for all the tournaments to be there, boys. And have you? Seen, this is the, this is how it goes, right? This is actually like the three point plan, and I've seen it in now in UFC. I've seen it in the World Cup. Yep. All these things. And WWE, happens, all that shit. Yeah, yes. They they prop it up. They put on an event. The event will generally be competently put together. And obviously everyone that comes over gets treated amazingly or whatever. They have a great event. And then all yep. the post fight, whatever it is, conferences, they're all there like one of the first questions, which one of the people is obviously paid there to sit and not leave until they ask. And how were you treated? Usually by <laughs> insert name of King here. And they'll be yep. like, oh, Prince uh, was amazing. Like, oh, I felt like treated like a king. It was incredible. Got to walk around. What a wonderful, beautiful country that this guided uh, tour dude gave me. And no, stay clear of that alley, mate. You don't want to go down that. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh, unbelievable. And I love this country and how many people are watching this press conference. Fucking loads. Brilliant. That is now the model they are washing everything through this system and they're doing it with esports and there is no giving a fuck related to the roi as of right now so they will just continue to flood that oil money into esports until everyone just goes full circle and lives these cycles about 10 times over until the point where you are sat at home it's the 10th event you've watched you're like well everyone says it's brilliant i mean i haven't seen anything with like repressed women or you know gays getting thrown off rooftops or whatever like it must just all be great and by the way I, I i'm not even educated enough on the matter to know like to what extent it is or it isn't these days i've no fucking clue you could make an argument that well brilliant if you know westerners are getting more integrated over there then maybe it will sort of normalize and some of the more archaic systems will you know come crumbling down i don't know but what i do know is nah. that it, this is inevitable that they are not going anywhere they will continue to pump money in and in a few years from now and by the way this is kind of like off brand for me but i'm kind of sat back here i mean it won't necessarily affect me but at this point i'm just like if you are an esports like as long as you don't do a frankie and say you'll never do any of these things and oh, oh but i had to because my child was dying and i needed bread on the table as long as you don't do shit like that and then go against your word if you're a gifted esports pro, I'm not going to judge you for like being in these tournaments where it's like, fuck it. They are all just run by either Riot, who are Chinese slash American oligarchs, you know, or Saudis or Qatari or whatever. Like, it just is what it is at this point. Like, they are going to own and run everything. You pick your fucking poison. Yes, some are worse than others. But if you're a rioter and you're sat there with your fucking trans and uh you know lgbt flags in your profile sounding off about how bad saudi is and you work for riot games you know you can do one like i understand these things are on a spectrum some things are worse than others but ultimately all esports tournaments are going to be run by cunts that is just a reality now and it's going to happen very fucking soon there are going to be very few independents or whatever who are running these tournaments who are giving you a choice your choice is now going to be between either playing for an american company which is completely bereft of any morals or a chinese company ditto or a saudi company, or whatever and at that point i do think you should probably just throw up your hands and say fuck it it doesn't matter why am i going to make a stand unless it's something particularly personal to you or whatever about going to a tournament in saudi if the next one's in china and then the one after that's in fucking la like again yes it's on a spectrum but i think at that point you just have to accept that you know, you're in that system and do the best thing you can to, I guess, make your own sort of stamp and try and be as, you know, morally up upholding as you can be as an individual. But if you're in esports three years from now, you are in the mud. That's just how it is. And you have to accept that. So, yeah, I, I just think I unfortunately and I did tweet about this recently and like historically sort of going years back, I sort of said more stuff about like there's always a choice kind of thing. If you made the choice to be in esports and you are in one of those niches as a player or whatever, very soon you actually unironically will not have the choice anymore. Or so far as you do, it's picking between uh, lesser or greater evils. So yeah, it's just fucked, isn't it? I mean, when I saw that tournament announced, I was like, Jesus Christ, they could just double it next year if it doesn't go how they want. And eventually everyone will cave and that will become the norm. So yeah, grim dawn, unfortunately, grim dawn. I may... I may be being a little slow. How do we get onto this from the TSM topic? I don't know. Fuck TSM. Fuck TSM and fuck. They're, they're lumped in. But the thing, this is the thing, though. It's like the one thing, the, the good thing about it, or something that people will usually perceive, is like the older esports gets and the more sort of oversight there is by proper business people or whatever, like the less survivability people like Reggie will have. 
But this guy's like oh, stuck the up. other the other way it ties in basically Foxtrop is as people get into all this financial trouble, they're also even more incentivized to take the deals if the Saudi right. people come. Oh in. yeah. If anything, they can come in and buy at pennies on the dollar soon, can't they? Oh yeah. So yeah, to, to link it back, I would actually, imagine the, that's the link, right? The thing was that actually it's it's kind of in my opinion as well, it's kind of irrelevant in the midterm if TSM disappears or not because such astronomical amounts of money are being pumped in oh. that basically you can artificially inflate anything to be as big as TSM eventually in a relatively short period of time so i don't think it actually right. matters that much um in that sense but again in a pre-saudi era i would think it would be very bad in terms of like propping up uh you know the the industry as being like a big thing with lots of big brands and so on but i mean by the way so smaller side if i was reggie like Reg, reggie's now been through so many horrendous scandal cycles like this guy should just be this much like the most optimum time to just sell your stake at this point like surely just sell your mm -hmm. stake get out you're still going to have your legacy like enough time goes by people are still just going to umbrella you as the guy who made that really awesome massive brand like i really think he should actually be making his exit now i know it's really difficult to walk away from something like that but he has clearly shown that he is incapable of staying out of the negative spotlight you can still make a fuck ton of money i'm sure he's a wealthy guy anyway but you can basically make retirement money now if you get out so i don't know why he's still even there like these problems are just following him and i think he could live a straight and also the thing is when you're reggie when you leave everyone thinks you're there anyway so the only difference is going to be that you're now out of it you can't take the blame for anything that happens from this point onwards and most people are still going to think of you and associate with you with the brand anyway so if they do good things you, you know they're still probably going to think you're ceo because most people don't delve below surface level so i don't know why he's still there it just seems like a Let's pull up pull a, uh, a carlos move to move to fucking dubai and uh become that would be a good sitcom unleash the reggie and carlos in do the middle east i'd watch that that'd be brilliant <laughs> that actually honestly generally like the grand tour that would genuinely it well no i'd watch it i'd definitely watch it it'll be good entertainment value uh is there anything else you guys want to add to that topic because we, we only have three topics for today actually so i think we've we, we've covered a lot of things i will say just as like a footnote i guess on the whole thing like it feels weird to to live in a world with uh, with no no TSM in the LCS. That will be that will be a strange day. I remember when Meteos first announced his retirement. Because if you don't, if you're not too clued in on uh, League of Legends esports, he first came onto the scene with Cloud Nine in season uh, in season three. three. Yeah, yeah. When, when they qualified, I think it was Orb. Was it Orb or was it? It was something I know. I know. High played for an organization called Orb, but either way, first came onto the scene. They were Quantic and, um, Gaming yeah, technically, Quantic and then one became like whatever. They yeah. bought the name Cloud9 yet. And uh, yeah, Meteos. They just they replicated the uh, the Koreans, and it all went really well for them. They did some really good stuff, and then he announced his retirement, and I was just like, holy shit! End of end of an era. In this case. I feel some something similar for TSM. Like it just feels it just feels strange, you know. It just feels strange. They have they have been the esport name in specifically North American uh, League of Legends, and even though they've not necessarily been that good recently, it's still odd. Anyway, I believe we've got everything covered for today. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for being here and uh, letting let me pick your brains on these topics. Thank you at home very much for watching. You might not be at home actually. You might be on the train on the bog in someone else's house or something who knows wherever you are thank you for watching and because that's what you do when you're at someone else's house on the toilet you open up your favorite podcast and uh as i choke my own spit we'll see you in the next one